Welcome to the Story Bar podcast. This is your host, Garima. In the series of conversations storied with Garima, I look forward to hearing your story, learning about your journey, and all the milestones you have covered by simply being who you are, by simply being yourself, bringing extraordinary stories of ordinary people online at the Story Bar. With love and light, Garima. Today, I would like to take a moment to recognize REDEM and the great work this organization is doing in the area of human trafficking and sex trafficking. REDEM is a pro bono crowdsourcing and networking movement about improving the human condition. By connecting highly skilled individuals to the organizations that need them the most. REDEM provides opportunities to connect professionals, network and talents with solutions to help spread awareness of the horrendous world of sex trafficking. They host events to support organizations like Redeemed that owns and operates a safe house in the Houston area, where they have provided restoration services utilizing a nationally recognized trauma-informed approach to women who have been rescued from their traffickers. The house is not only a safe space for the women to reside, but is also a place of healing and hope for the journey ahead of them. We are so proud of REDEM and the work that it is doing in this space. If you too wish to contribute and make a difference, please follow REDEM on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out to the founder of REDEM, David Reed on LinkedIn. He is the CTO and CMO at National Oilville Varco. Feel free to let him know what skills you would like to offer and how you would like to contribute to the cause. And joining me at the story bar is Chi Lin and Michael, founders of Dumpling Dudes. So pleased to have you guys here with me today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. good. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely, lovely. And um, guys, let's just first uh, get to know each other, understand uh, your story first. How did you guys meet each other and how has the journey been so far? Tell me about your roots, backgrounds and uh, how has it uh, really been so far for you? Gosh, okay, there's a lot there. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, start, with the, let's start with the first one there. I'll give a little, little bit of background on myself. We'll let him, uh, Chi, give a little bit of background on himself and then we can yes. talk about how we met. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I'm from Houston, Texas, uh, originally, uh, moved around a bit. My dad worked for oil growing up. Um, and then I got into home remodeling construction uh, for a while as kind of my first iteration. Mm -hmm. uh, my second iteration, I was a chemical process engineer uh, and got to work on some big projects there. And then um, I met this guy along that road and we decided that our third iteration would be uh, Dumpling Dudes. So I'll let Chi give a brief intro of himself and then we'll talk about how we met and where we are now. Yeah. Uh, I actually found Taiwan originally, Taipei, Taiwan, and then my, my family moved over to the U.S. when I was 15 mm -hmm. and to Houston, uh, the Woodlands, which is the north part of uh, Houston. And then, uh, then from there, I went to University of Texas and then got a degree in mechanical engineering, became an engineer, and then eventually moved, I moved my way up, become a senior engineer, manager, and by the end of my career, I was actually director of marketing for an oil and gas company. Amazing, amazing. And tell me the story of Dumpling Dudes. What has been the inspiration behind this and what has been your why? Okay, so the, when Chi and I first met, we actually didn't live uh, in the same city. We lived in a different city. So we got to know each other uh, on the internet, believe it or not, for a couple months. And then when we finally got together and had our first date, uh, which was at this really great coffee shop in Austin, Texas. Beautiful place. If you ever get to check it out, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but we had a, had a party and I got to meet his friends and they said, let's make dumplings. And I was like, okay, I, I like dumplings. Let's, let's give it a shot, you know? Yeah. And uh, we sat around, everybody brought their own fillings. We had a great time. We communed, you know, we had, um, and I just felt so great at the end of it. It was so much fun. The next day I wanted to do it with my friends and introduce his friend, you know, him to my friends. So that's really where Dumpling Dudes got its start, but it really wasn't Dumpling Dudes back then, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, but that's kind of how it was kind of 
born. And over the years, we've right. had made dumplings with friends and family. Um, I think it's just really about the experience. Yeah. Like, we just would love the experience. Mm -hmm. We bring people together. And everybody have a good time. And a lot of our great memories always like tie back to dumplings. We just think that's an experience that's worth sharing. Right. So that's the starting point. We, we mm -hmm. like trying to figure out if we like it, how do we elevate it? You know, like how do we make it even more fun, more exciting? Right. Then people can share this memory and experience with their friends and their family. Right. Nice. So this was almost 14 years ago when, when we met. So we've been together for 14 years. Uh, Dumpling Dudes has only been around since uh, July, really July of 19, 2019. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we started out with, uh, you know, actually he came to me and said, you know, I want to, I want to leave oil and gas. Mm -hmm. I want to start my own business. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I just got into oil and gas, right? You know? <laughs> and um, so I was, a, I was a bit taken aback, but, you know, I knew that there was a lot of thought process thought process uh, in him making that decision. He doesn't make right. any decisions without doing that. <laughs> so I knew there was a lot of thought process. And, and so we were like, well, what do you want to create? And he's like, well, I want to create something that's experiential, right? Because I'm, I'm in a place where I'm not having a great experience and I want people to have a great experience and I want to be a part of that. And right. I'm like, I can, get, I can get on board with that. Right. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I'm curious about is oil and gas is such an amazing industry. I've been talking to so many people. Like right. The, sector it is uh, so full of energy and passion and enthusiasm why did you decide to uh, exit from this space and start something of your own because i'm sure a lot of people talk about the financial empowerment that comes along with a good career path in the oil and gas industry so when exactly did you decide that this is not the space where i would want to continue uh, uh, in the times to come and uh, we need to do something different. When was that uh, spark really created? Go ahead. Yeah. That's yeah. you. That's you. <laughs> so uh, that's a good question, right? Because I think one thing I miss the most about the oil and gas is just so many amazing people that I met, right? And then it's, it's just amazing. Like even now when we do classes, when we when we do pick up, we still have like so many coworkers. Coworker has came by, you know, right. get dumping for their team, and then it just that's a memory itself that we will never forget. And then we're so lucky we still talk to a lot of them. Uh, so so saying that, I think the hardest part when I quit my job was the people, <laughs> you know, because they are all these people that you love, and then they're like a family, and then, and internally I feel very guilty and I feel shame. Right. I like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to quit. I let these people down. I feel so ashamed of myself not being appreciated for what's mm -hmm. given to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Consider I worked for 15 years. Uh, but like at the end of the day, I think by the end of my career, I just getting tired and a little depressed almost. Not because like, I don't like the people. I love what I do. But I think I've been spending 15 years mm -hmm. playing this safe route you know to move the corporate ladder right, uh, spend right. 15 years to to build dreams for other people uh, build dreams for the management build dreams for the company and then i was so focused on that i feel like i forgot to dream myself you know i was like wow okay if i can build dream for for all this company and all these departments and group Imagine what I can do if I can build a dream for myself. So, so that's when I started like looking around and trying to figure out, okay, what matters to us the most? Mm -hmm. And then what are we passionate about? And then you go back to that same thing again. It's about experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like experience is the most important thing in life. Right. And then it's so important to us. We're willing to give out two pretty high and stable income and just say, you know, if we don't try to build dream for ourselves, it's going to be too late. It's going to be a regret for us later. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we pull the plug. We decide to take a hit. <laughs> a lot of people think we're crazy. They're like, how would you, you have my dream job. Why would you quit your job? So it, it was a very, really crazy moment. But I think it just, we, we really just want to be passionate about, be passionate and create great experience the hope of, to inspire other people to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's never too late. We just like, if we don't do it now, it's, it's it just, there's no day like today. 
Right, right. Michael, what are your uh, thoughts about this? <laughs> it's interesting, you know, because I was in, like I said, home remodeling construction for a while. So I had worked for myself and kind of made my own schedule for mm -hmm. nine, ten years. Mm -hmm. And um, I went back into to school and really fell in love with school academically and really fell in with chemical engineering academically. Right. When I got into the, the business itself, the business part of it was a really big turnoff for me. Mm -hmm. So when I was engineering things and designing things, I loved it. I was there 100% of the time, you know, but for me, the shine wore off very quickly. Right. And so when he came to me and he was like, um, you know, I want to start my own business. I, at first I was like, what? And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> you know, let's do it tomorrow. Right? <laughs> I'm ready to go. And, um, but again, it's the people, you know, the projects, those are so fun meeting people from all over the world, you know, getting traveled to India a couple of times. Um, it was just a, it was a, a really unique experience. And I'm really grateful for it because I get to use a lot of that expertise and a lot of that know-how in what I do today. I mean, right. I'm in charge of process. I'm in charge of R&D. So it just kind of fits with, you know, my, my teaching and my schooling as well, too. So I was ready to go, um, you know, and, and then he said, okay, wait, let's, let's wait a little bit. Let's do some financial planning and then we'll do that, right? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's probably the best idea, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Absolutely. And now moving uh, from a stable uh, job, you know, uh, moving from a regular job, uh, well-paying job and everything around you is settled and stable and getting into a zone where nothing is certain. You are just not sure about this area and uh -huh. trying to uh, give it a kickstart and explore everything on your own. How has that been for you? Because I am confident about that, that you must have braved some extraordinary challenges when you decided to do this. How has that been for you? And who were the people at that point of time who really supported your idea and said that, guys, I have your back. Do whatever you want. I am there standing uh, for you because entrepreneurial journey in itself is is a brave step, I would say. That is something I, I get to learn from all the amazing entrepreneurs out there. And I'm also trying to do so many things on my own. And it's not easy. It's not easy. I totally get that. But I would like to understand your story at that point of time. So I would say, because we get this question a lot. People always ask, is it scary? Like, how was it? So, so the answer is, not only that it was very very scary it is still scary yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like yeah that hasn't went away it doesn't yet. go away it doesn't go away uh we're just kind of getting used to it yeah. because it's scary but very exciting at the same time uh i think because what we're trying to do is it hasn't been done before mm -hmm. we we have a class we do classes with like rainbow dumpling making you know nobody ever done that that we know of uh, we also have products that engineer in a way that people can bake the dumpling and that's also never been done before mm -hmm. so there's a lot of unknown and um, and so that's very scary you don't know if people will come but but i'm going to tell you why we do it okay mm -hmm. uh i think one of the biggest challenge when i was working at corporation and i think a lot of people had the same challenges I have crazy ideas all the time. You know, I'm just one of those real creative, I think outside the box. Uh, my boss once told me that, no, you don't think outside the box, you live outside the box, you know? So uh, every time I have a new idea, there's a lot of um, pushback. It always say, has this been done before? Mm -hmm. Could you prove that other company has done it in the past? Mm -hmm. And then they need proof, they need data, of course. If it's a brand new idea, there's no proof, no data. And my response has always been, if somebody else done this before, then you're already behind. You are just a follower. You're not creating something like brand new. Like Apple created the first iPhone, you know, Google had the first search. They will always been the first. Right. But it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability at the same time to, to be the first. So I, I think it's definitely scary that we're trying to be the first to do a lot of things, but it's also very exciting because, because eventually people actually do like it. Very, very rewarding, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing I would say about entrepreneurship is that it is actually the tribe, the community, that people mm -hmm. are like trying to help you out all the time. We met so many other entrepreneurs. They're actually people in the dumpling space too that we work with. Mm -hmm. We just help each other out. And then that itself, it gave me the, the power I need to, 
to to fight whenever it's dark outside, you know, because they fight in corporate. It's a little different. I mean, it's, you have all these amazing people at the same time. It's still a very competitive world. People are trying to take you down all the time. And then there's something we haven't experienced yet in the entrepreneurial world. People are just trying to help each other out. I'm pretty sure the competitive part will come in the future. But at the stop stage, it just people are warm, people are nice, they're trying to help you out, they don't want anything back, and then in return we'll help them out as, as the right. same way. I think I think really it's more of it's more of a pay it forward kind of community. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in the entrepreneurial space than when you're in more of a corporate space. Mm-hmm. And corporate space is definitely more bottom dollar is the driver, right? I mean, and that, that makes sense. It's the way that it's built. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, but here it's more about trying to get the experiences and trying to make connections and, and all that and try to be just inclusive as much as you can. And again, like you said, that may be where we are right now in this bubble. <laughs> and that bubble may pop, right? You know, but for now, that's what it feels like. So. Yes, yes, yes yeah. I get it. And the point where you started and... Uh, in that moment, did you think of certain benchmarks that this is what we want to achieve five years down the line or even say six months down the line? This is where we see ourselves. Did you have that kind of, uh, I can say, uh, competitive uh, edge or uh, some kind of uh, very, very aggressive idea or energy behind that, that? This is what we want to do. If not this, then we'll try something else because People are always so uh, enveloped in that idea of instant gratification, instant success. Right. So did you have that sort of feeling in your head that uh, if this doesn't work out in like six months, in one year, in two uh-huh. years, we are going to do something else? Was there anything of that sort in your head? So um, as far as benchmarks go, I know she can probably talk more about like solid benchmarks, <laughs> okay? but we ask ourselves probably every day, if uh, these don't sell out today, what are we going to do, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> again, that question is always asked, right? But I can definitely say in the beginning, you know, um, being, uh, being able to pivot in your business is really important. And so if you do set benchmarks for yourself, right? If you, I'm a big fan of the 5, 10, 20, right? I, here's my 20 year plan. What do I need to do in 10? What do I need to do in five? How do I start today? Right. And so I like to plan and put things on a calendar. And then as soon as something gets on there that throws it out of whack, you know, you got to go back and redo it all again. So I just want to say it's a constant reevaluation of benchmarks and where you're marking yourself. Hmm. And I would, you know, just, he's going to talk about what ours were, but just be cognizant that they will change over time. Let them be, let them be fluid. Let them be a living, breathing document, just like you're a living, breathing human being and organization. Right. So I used to say benchmark for people at work, which is (laughs) interesting. I do marketing benchmark. People get all freaked out. Like what? This is the first time in my life. It's very hard to set a benchmark because it's hard to predict what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. So we have a few simple ones, right? Mm -hmm. The first one is we want to go from red to black to be be profitable in a year, which is Mm -hmm. pretty aggressive itself. Most Mm -hmm. business take about two years to do. And then uh, that's another story by itself. Like we were almost there after like almost maybe a couple, uh, maybe eight months in, we were almost in the black. And then that's when COVID hit. Right, we will have, have the biggest month. We have like six events lined up and then COVID's hit and then that kind of got pushed back. So, so that's, that's one benchmark uh, that we had. Now, you just took a couple more months to, to get there for mm-hmm. sure. And then the other one is on the marketing side for well, my background, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say that, so we went, at the beginning, we have about 200 followers. And then right now we have about 4,500 followers yes. within a year. And there's no ad, like nothing. It's purely organic. Yeah. So, so but what I would like to say is what, what I'm majoring is really not how many followers we have, mm-hmm. but how many engagement, how many heart-to-heart conversation, how many friends we make. They went from followers to friends, or from followers to customers to friends. And, and I think we, there's something that's just surprisingly very, very fulfilling for us is we have all these people that are supporting us, mm-hmm. right? Like in the darkest times when we thought we had to close our business because of COVID, our followers came out and support. Mm-hmm. And then from that now on, we've been so selling out every single week. Mm-hmm. So I think um, 
I would like a lot of people major based on the connection they have. I, mm -hmm. I think that's very important, but I think you should major also based on the meaningful relationship that you built with other people. And that's very hard to do with business, but I think it's very, very important uh, how people treat each other because it's how we can, how we can uh, survive and how we can grow as a company, as people. Absolutely, absolutely. Myself being part of the process side and development side um, was being able to hire someone so that I didn't have to make dumplings every day, <laughs> you know, but uh, so, you know, being, uh, being agile and being able to pivot really helped us, you know, win COVID because that's a variable that no one ever puts in their business model, right? Pandemic, right? That's, <laughs> that's not a variable. Um, so, you know, when that happened, you know, we feel really, really blessed that um, our followers did come out and it, it got us going in a way that we, we were really trepidatious about going in, you know, we didn't want to go in that direction because we thought, oh, that's going to diminish the experience. Right. But it really challenged us to recreate a different experience, right? The contactless pickup, the different styles, the different flavors, you know, virtual tastings, things like that, so that we can still keep that, that, that going with our followers. And that's been a lot of fun to kind of recreate the, recreate it again, right? Recreate yeah. one more time, right? So it's, yeah. it just keeps us in that kind of creative loop. Amazing, amazing. Because this is quite interesting because uh, what I've gathered so far, even uh, before speaking with you guys today, that Dumpling Dudes is really focusing upon creating that extraordinary food experience. And uh, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I really yeah. want to dig a little you know, deeper into that and understand from you that in the beginning, what did it look like to you that uh, how did you see relationships evolving, connections being established through your, uh, through your small business? How did you visualize that happening? How did you see uh, people coming together uh, at this, uh, you know, in this space, not just to enjoy the food, but also to uh, dwell and uh, experience uh, that energy that vibe of being there at dumpling dude so how did you visualize that in the beginning and uh, how has that evolved over over the months right so in the beginning we we definitely ran a certain uh, certain number of uh, test classes mm -hmm. so to kind of you know work out as many kinks as we could mm -hmm. um but our first class was six people we, we were able to make six different colors you know red orange yellow green blue purple and we so we did a lot of experimentation around that which was my, one of my favorite things to do try vegetables mineral uh yeah vegetables minerals we use flowers we use roots you know we use all natural ingredients to get those nice rich colors and so we were teaching six people at a time how to do some simple folds and then um slowly after that we actually had a situation where we had two classes scheduled for one night Mm -hmm. On our calendar, it looked different, but to them, it looked the same. So they all showed up and were calling us. So we had to get two tables and we were 15 people at that point. So we modified that. And, and so then it became this experience where we do photos and we do boomerangs and we're, you know, this whole experience of like having appetizers and we have appetizer dumplings and introductions. And it just becomes this whole social, social event. And people exchange dough to make different colored dumplings to make different styles, marbling, all kinds of stuff. We even made baby Yoda dumplings. I know that's not truly a baby Yoda, but we make baby Yoda dumplings and wow. snowman dumplings and kids parties and even corporate events like that. Someone uh, reached out to us and said, hey, can you come to my a function that we're gonna have? You know, and we said, sure, yeah, how many people we can travel? And they said 35 and I was like, I looked at Chi and I go, and she goes, we can do it. And I was like, all right, we can do it, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it looks like it looked like that at that point. And then towards the end there, we had a, a proposal that happened at our place. You know, we've had all these just family events and social events. And we hang out on our rooftop. We've got a, a townhome here in Houston that's got a rooftop. And we hang out up there around the fire pit. And people stay, you know, four hours and hang out. And it just becomes a really nice, uh, really nice time. Yeah, I think, I think the most amazing part is people will share their special day mm -hmm. with us or back then, right? They will have the proposal here. They had their birthday, they have team building, they have <clears throat> girls night out, you know, and then it's just always something special that people want to do. And then dumping just so happened to the vehicle to kind of get mm -hmm. in there yes. to enjoy the good time. And then that just... Imagine if like all we do is just celebrating with other people. It's such a great experience for us too. And you know, now we set out to give people the most amazing experience, but in return, we receive the most wonderful experience ourselves. You know, there's nothing like that in the world. I, I make our job totally worth it. 
And then with the recent pivot that we did doing dumpling pickup, people not coming here but making dumpling at home, we still see they doing like birthday party at the house, you know, they doing girls night at the house, they doing date night. Uh, it's the same way. You see people just celebrating with the dumpling because they're very, very colorful and different mm -hmm. and unique. And then it just made our day to see people actually create their own experience with our dumplings. Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, that's what we care about the most is people having a good time and have a great experience. Wow, wow. And what would you say about the creativity in food? Because what I can understand from the story is that it is amazingly creative because there's so many colors, so many varieties, and it's just art. It is, uh, you know, it is art. How, how would you explain that? How would you describe that? That food does need that artistic, that creative, aesthetic uh, inspiration. How would you describe that to us? I think, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and I, I apologize, I don't remember who said it, but we eat with our eyes first, right? And so that, that introduction to food comes, you know, through the visualization of something delicious. And so I think, you know, for us, we really tried, I think we've talked about, you know, the community aspect of what we do. And we've talked about the creativity, you know, but that, that pride when somebody folds a dumpling and they make it and they're like, oh, you know, this doesn't look very good. This is kind of ugly, you know, and then they put it in the steamer and it comes out beautiful. They're just like, wow, that pride, you know, that they have in their food. And so, I mean, that creativity is, is part of that as well. We actually market our classes as, a, you know, an art class you get to eat at the end, right? You know, so it's uh, definitely marketed that way for sure. Wow, wow. Yeah, I think one of the message we tell people is, um, Everybody's unique in a beautiful way, okay? We have all this color, all this kind of color combination, building combination. So when you come to our class and you create a dumpling, that's you. That's mm -hmm. a one of a kind you. Mm -hmm. And then most people see the beauty in them, you know? Like it's just the most amazing thing. The people see the beauty in their own creation and other people see the beauty in their creations. And then that's art, you know, art is unique and beautiful. Yeah. And then we were able to do that with dumpling and people were able to experience that in like a show three hour class. Yeah. And then that, that's really, really cool that, that we can, that happens and we will be able to see that and be part of it. And we get a wide variety. I mean, you know, as, as, as wide a variety of people that there are in the world, we see the wide variety of dumplings that we see being made at the table. Mm -hmm. You know, even to one extreme where we had someone make only one color, they only did one fold and they only made nine. It was a perfect three by three and that's what they wanted, you know? And so, you know, like, that's fine. That's your art. That's exactly what you want to do to, you know, uh, a baking cheeseburger size, baking cheeseburger dumpling, you know, or something like that. So it, it's really just from one spectrum to the other, one side to the other. Right, right. And one thing that I uh, didn't ask before, and I'm just wondering why didn't I ask that question before? And that is that, why dumplings? So again, it goes back to those kind of those three tenets for us. And, 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 and it's been in our lives, in our relationship for the past 14 years, mm -hmm. uh, family and friends getting together every year, um, you know, creating something together, sharing something together, you know, sitting around a table folding. I mean, we make four or 500 dumplings in a sitting with friends and family. You take them home, you get to share them, you continue to remember that experience. And so dumplings are really the vehicle for this experiential space that really is why we chose dumplings because it's just such it brought all those things together for us but that community creativity and pride those are our, our three hallmarks that we try to stick by yeah we love dumpling that we love making dumpling and then um but we also did a little research on dumpling before mm -hmm. we decided well, dumpling. we are engineers right <laughs> so I, I have to do like the seo search you know <laughs> to look at the google trend and to kind of study who's making this and what and how uh, then, but what, what we kind of realize is uh, dumpling is usually the, you would call them like the supporting actress and actors mm -hmm. in the film, right? They always like an appetizer and then yes. secondary dish. Dumpling exactly. is the underdog of mm -hmm. Asian food. I agree. Okay. And then that's how I feel it works sometimes. I feel like I'm the underdog of, of but I want to be the main character, right? So, so in a lot of way, I was like, okay, I'm going to make dumpling the star because it's so wonderful, it's so creative, you can do so many things. 
So we make dumpling the stars, and now everywhere we see people hosting dumpling party, dumpling is the main dish. Yeah. And you really see that, even in Asian culture, you really see that. So, yeah. so that's, that's something that we're trying to create. We feel it's all potential and fun, and then, and then let people know. <laughs> and the other part about that is we get to experience um, you know, cuisines from all over the world, because mm -hmm. there's a form of dumpling in almost every, every cuisine culture. out there, right? Yeah. So we, you know, we have one that was uh, definitely, I got some ideas from my travels in India. We have a vegan curry mash that we make and it's, it's yes. wonderful warm spices and like a mimosa, it's almost mimosa. like a, a mimosa, you know? yeah. and then we're going to try, you know, we've got some more recipes coming up. We've got, you know, chorizo mac and cheese, just kind of a, a, my home, you know, country, like down home cooking. And so we've got that in there and we've got Korean style spices and then traditional Chinese spices and. So we just kind of get a, a breadth and depth of everything. We even got um, chocolate cheesecake dessert ones too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got a whole kind of variety. It's very, um, it's very uh, flexible to the, the, the dough and the fillings. Absolutely. Tell me like two things that you are super proud of have achieved with uh, Dumpling Dudes and tell me two things that you feel are still missing and you're trying to get there. Mm. You go first. <laughs> okay, I can do one. I can do one. Okay, okay, good thing. Okay, so um, one thing I'm very proud is uh, we are being ourselves in this whole process. We are true to ourselves. Uh, most people, uh, people know if they follow, they know we marry. Mm -hmm. They know we gay. They know we uh, used to be engineers, quit our job. We have visibilities on everything that we do and then that's that's very hard to do i think that's the most vulnerable thing to do is it's quite happening people don't like us that people yeah people they don't like us we get hit message all the time but but that's okay we're being ourselves uh it took me maybe 12 years in my old career mm -hmm. to to decide to come out to be myself mm -hmm. and then of course there's positive and negative messages through the whole process but I always thought that I should have done it sooner. Right. And then, so when we started Dumping Dude, we just tell, just be honest with people, be ourselves, live our life. We only live once. I mean, uh, be proud of yourself. And then we were able to, to do that and then have all the support from everybody. That, that was the most wonderful thing to me is we can finally live the life we want. And then, and then people can see us for us. Right, right. I definitely think, you know, I really enjoy process work. I really enjoy developing processes. So for me, being able to put that into practice on a project that really means uh, the world to me, you know, is, is one of the things that I'm super, super proud about uh, our business and ourselves together is being able to develop those processes together. You know, coming up with all the different dyes and everything, there was a, a lot of iterations for that. And so that was, uh, that was challenging, but also very, very fun, you know, and just being able to put all that science to use in a way that just brings joy to everybody, right? I mean, that's that's really what really makes me happy about this business. Right. I'm super proud about. Right. Yeah. Ask the second question. Yeah, can you repeat the second question again? Yeah. <laughs> the other part of the question is two things that you feel are missing at the moment, and you would want to be there in the times to come. Hmm. Okay. Two things we are missing <clears throat> in the moment. In your uh, journey with Dumpling Dudes, yes. Right, right. I mean, I think for me, the right now, if I had to say at this point in time, it would just be we miss the social interactions because that community part of it is, is not as strong right now, only due to the fact of COVID, right. right? So, I mean, I think the whole world wishes this right now. We're not unique, right, that that would just go away. <laughs> but I think for us, you know, really trying to find our way back to that. That's really uh, what I see for the future is getting back to that, that social experience and, and being able to really be personal with people um, and, and that fun, creative way together. I think for myself, that's really what I'm looking for, striving for. Right, that's what I was gonna say too. I know, I think we both have that, that yeah, same comment. Fair. I know, <laughs> can we have the same answer? Is that fair? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fair, it's completely fair. It's completely fair. Considering the circumstances that we are in, yes that's that's exactly what the situation is and going back to what uh chi lin said that the fact that we are simply being ourselves and we are mm -hmm. happy with that in itself is a very brave statement i would say because i totally understand that it takes a lot 
of courage to come out when when you are in this situation it takes a lot of courage to come out and say it out loud to the world that this is who i am and this is what you should accept me for because to be honest i have friends over here who are having a very hard time to talk about this with their families or even friends for that matter there's so much judgment that's coming around from the society on all fronts now when we combine this entire food experience with your relationship how much of a role would you say that your relationship has played in strengthening your uh, story of dumpling dudes how much of uh, a role both of you have played in each other's lives uh, to uh, to you know create this experience build it stronger and better with each passing day because at the end of the day you have each other right not the people who are coming at dumpling do right. for that incredible experience you are creating so there are hard times definitely people are showing uh, their support but yes there are low times as well so how are you guys actually supporting each other to make your business stronger and better every single day that's a really really good question you know we're we're very very grateful that we have someone who is minded the same way we are to work together um i think about other entrepreneurs that do these things on their own and i'm thinking wow how how do they do that i mean it's already so much work for two people that's got to be just you know an insane amount of work for one and lonely for just one <clears throat> and lonely person, right exactly yeah. when things don't go right who do they confide in right so there's a lot of a lot of remaining vulnerable with each other and being able to share hey i'm scared about this or hey i don't feel really great about this flavor going out or you know something with production didn't go right today <clears throat> you know things like that and and being able to be vulnerable with the other person um but then also you don't want to seem i don't know want, i want to seem weak in your partner's eyes too right so you try to be strong all the time as well too and those things really kind of combat each other and and so i think at the end of the day you know even before we had this call this morning we had a little check in hey how you feeling today before we get on the call you know it's just something that we try to do take those moments to remember that we came first and then the business was built from us right. it is the story of us really yeah i think just like what you say right like initially we thought okay we've been together for 14 years this should be super easy. this should be super easy right we get along fine and then this is going to help our business dramatically And then as soon as we started, we find out it's the other way around. Our business actually helped us to to see the side of our relationship we never seen before, right? To kind of figure out how to work together again after 14 years and figure out how to how to share and how to communicate and most important how to be vulnerable to each other. That's brand new to us. So in a way the business actually gives us a new way of looking at relationship a new way of how to work together as a couple and as a founders uh um and then and that's very very powerful for to me. Yeah, we've never really seen each other work. I mean we we knew that we worked but we never really saw each other's work style. So getting used to each other's work styles was definitely I think one of the one of the the, the hard, not hardest things but the most challenging thing we had to uh to work out between us. And after every day there's always something like, "Oh, hey, you know, this that or hey, this that." But it's it's a it's a daily daily check-in, daily thing. Yeah, but I would definitely think for any startup, it's always easier to have a co-founder. Mm -hmm. I think after the study also show you have a co-founder you most likely to success. Mm -hmm. Just because you know you have two points of view all the time and you can each work on your own stuff and then have a common goal. Like that usually helps a lot. Mm -hmm. I definitely a mind entrepreneur they do it by themselves because mm -hmm. this is very 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 hard to do right. right and if we keep the personal side apart the private side apart and uh, just focus on the professional uh, front uh, for some time there must be some disagreements as well right because this is business this is not uh, our uh, oh, yeah. you know, feelings and emotions at play this is something as we are talking about profits we are talking about <laughs> talking about you know poor oh, sales yeah. we are talking about introducing new varieties so how uh -huh. do you deal with that because here is a person whom you love with all your heart but you don't agree with what he's saying uh, you know in this uh, respect how do you deal with that conflict at that point of time i think that has to do and which is the first thing we work on is to have clear role 
and responsibility. Okay, so Mike is in charge of all the products, of course. I mean, he's a better engineer than I am. <laughs> I'm more on the creative side. So he's in charge of the product. So he had the final say on like how the kitchen run. And then of course, like the recipe that goes into it and the process, which is very, very high tolerance. I mean, even for an engineer, his tolerance is still very high. And then I'm in charge of like PR marketing and more on the business side. Right, so we have very, very clear uh, responsibility, which helps us a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's for any kind of corporation, yes. that's usually where the conflict is. Mm -hmm. If you don't have clear responsibility and then people got into conflict, so we learned early on, we had to just decide mm -hmm. what we're gonna do and then and go yeah. with it. Even if you have clear responsibilities, let me tell you, <clears throat> it's never the roles and responsibilities. It's, it's where they the overlap, area. right? It's where they need to transfer information to each other. That's where it is, right? Because I may be working process and I've got one idea and now I'm working towards that idea, even though it's dumpling dudes. And she's got the marketing side and maybe all day he's working towards it. And then now we're like a mile apart when we should be, you know, two feet apart. And so that gets tricky sometimes because when working in different roles, you see different things of how you can achieve. And so, um, again, I think it just all goes back to communication, right? It all goes back to planning and setting plans and being flexible with each other and, and, and then just talking. I mean, that's, that's the biggest part of it is Yeah, like talking. a weekly checkup, almost like work again. I know like you have to check yeah. in to see where everybody is and then yeah. we do that still. Wow. Wow. This is so amazing to hear. I have to say that. <laughs> I'm so proud of you guys that you are handling everything so well. It, it is uh, extremely amazing, I have to say. And moving on, you know, let's talk about um, COVID-19 a little bit uh, because this situation is an entirely new terrain that we have before us, right? Nobody imagined that something of this scale would happen and something that would impact us in so many different ways, not just personally, but also professionally and a small business that had just started to pick up or was just trying to build its base. This pandemic uh, comes in. And then what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What is the first thing that hits your mind that what did it look like to you? There is an announcement that we have a novel uh, coronavirus strain now and there's this lockdown situation coming up, social distancing, and you were just trying to create something of your own. How did it hit you? So I can, I can tell you the day it happened. We were actually in the kitchen doing production for, actually we had about three festivals coming up within the next couple of weeks. So here we have a big event. It's the Houston Rodeo. It's a, a big uh, livestock event. And um, I would say it's probably the social barometer for all of Houston, right? Mm -hmm. And so when they shut that down, we knew, oh no, we're going next. Everybody's got to follow suit. So we actually shut the kitchen down today. I was like, I was like, guys, we got to shut this down and figure out what's going on. And right. we were a bit heartbroken because we had we were ramping. I mean, we were ramping faster than we thought we were going to ramp in, you know, the first two years. And so um, it was a little bit disheartening at first, you know, and uh, so we went home uh, back to the whiteboards, of course, and uh, we started working on what the, what would Dumpling Dude's packaging look like, you know, and would anybody buy it even, right? I mean, you know, we never really set out to make the world's tastiest dumpling. We mm -hmm. set out to make the world's best experience, right? So. Uh, we pulled our friends, um, not our friends, our followers, and we said, you know, does anybody want to buy some dumplings? We got mm -hmm. some, and we're selling 60 dozen that first week, and um, it was just she and I and one other person working, and then uh, uh, it actually became, you know, now we have four people working in the kitchen, and we just mm -hmm. sold 200 dozen last week, you know, so it's, it, it's definitely forced us to move in a different direction we never thought we would move in. But it was definitely disheartening at first, for sure. I think it was for everybody. We all were just kind of like, uh, is the rest of the sky going to fall on us, you know? And yeah, definitely. So, yes, I will add on to that. Yeah. Okay. So I have to say, you know, people always ask me about what about me. And then I, I would say that uh, I feel like I built my whole career, my whole life. It's not based on my success. Mm -hmm. It's not based on how I got promoted to this and to that. It's built on how I overcome the struggles. Mm -hmm. Okay, you never heard an entrepreneur tell you that they just 
hit something and then they just being successful yeah. right away. It's always about the struggle and how they overcome the struggle. For me, whenever there's a struggle, there's a great opportunity to have the strength that you need to do something great, right? And, uh, and that's kind of how I see COVID. I feel like COVID, it's, it's very challenging, very, very dark. But the thing about being in a dark place is life always, always find a way, you know? That's why you see people start doing stuff they probably would never think of, including ourselves, to, to, to innovate, you know, to, to kind of overcome, overcome the challenges, right? So I look at it as an opportunity for us to, to pivot and to get stronger and then to, to get better. And at the same time, to inspire other people to do the same thing. Because I think we all in this darkness right now, people are searching for lights everywhere. And then it, it is out there. We just want people just need to find it. Now we're hoping we want those tiny little lie to give people hope. Like let's see if we can do it. They can do it too to pivot their business. And that, and there's the, it gets better from right. here. Right. And what would you say to the other uh, startup founders, to other small business owners, entrepreneurs at this point of time, whose uh, business has been uh, hardly hit and they're just trying to recreate everything and uh, your message might just inspire them to do great things. What would you tell them? I would say that it definitely gets better. I definitely think it gets better. It gets better every day. And then, uh, and then use your creativity and uniqueness to come up with your product and to come up with your services. Right. Okay. So, so I definitely think this is a, this is an opportunity for a lot of business to kind of try something different and who know mm -hmm. by trying something different might give you a brand new revenue stream. So definitely look at it as an opportunity and don't give up. Just keep trying, you know, and keep pivoting, keep trying and then and something will work. And then it always does. It always will work. And then, then move on from there. Right. Right. What would you say, Michael? I mean, that was really good. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a time to reach out to those connections that we talk about. It's a time to reach out to see what new partnerships can be found. You know, this is a unique time. We're going to see Kodak camera making vaccines, you know, like, I mean, this is the things we see on the news, you know, and so it's a unique opportunity to redefine, you know, and I think he's absolutely right. You know, um, I think dark and light kind of are on the same side of a coin, you know, so if you can flip that view around, you can really, um, shine light in your own life. And so I think that's one thing is when it feels dark, you know, that's the place to stand up and start to move through because that's when you're going to be able to shine light to others as well. And I will add on to that. Once you, once you find a light, create a light for yourself and use your light to help other mm -hmm. people. That's something we're always trying to do. Like how can we use our brain? How could we use our our uh, our followers power to to kind of help other business to help other charity and then even so we're so small we we haven't stopped just trying to help other people at the same time because i really think it's a comma if you do good you bring more good in the world and then and i would believe in that 100 mm -hmm. right right and amidst all of this how important does storytelling become for a business that's my question it is your question, but I'm going to answer it. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm going to say that is because I got to tell you, I'm not an Instagrammer. I'm not a Facebooker. I'm one of those. I, I use my phone for its intention, you know, calling and cameras and things like that. But so in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, she was like, you know, we've got this story. We got to, we got to get this story out. And I'm like, okay, let's get some dumplings out. Right. You know, <laughs> but no, she started to tell this story about us and about how we created it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, it goes a long way because people always are like, oh, I really loved your story. Let me try your dumplings, right? And so we continue to, to be open and tell our story and, and, and as an influence for other people to tell their stories as well, too. And that's, I mean, it's so fun to hear other people's stories. So it's been fun to share our story. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to let people know who you are. I mean, the product is your product, but if they, we want to know who's behind it nowadays, right? It's not just enough to have a product. It's mm -hmm. who's making it, you know, what, how did they come through it? They love that struggle and that resolution, right? It's, it's just built into our human nature. We love to be able to help someone overcome. Storytelling is the number one 
most important thing for anybody, for, for a business, for your career, even wherever you work, right? But then it has to be, it has to be real, mm-hmm. okay? And it has to be, it has to be, it has to show courage, right? And then to show courage, you have to be vulnerable, which is very, very hard to do. I can tell you that our top 10 posts for the last one, a year and a half, it's not about dumplings, it's about our stories, every single one. And then those posts are so hard to make, you know. They are ones I will let it sit for a week because I'm afraid to post it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid of being vulnerable, the one I did recently. There will be one that I will, I write one about my grandma. I was crying the whole time when I write that story. Uh, it's very, very uncomfortable to be vulnerable and to tell your story, but that's how you connect other people. And that's how you inspire other people, right? Uh, we, we, we started this journey to, to make experience for other people. At the same time, we want to share our experience of our, entrepreneur, our entrepreneurship too, because we are experience-based startup. Right. And uh, it has worked out great for us, just because I think people feel like they're closer to us, they under our story. And then a lot of times people share their story too. Uh, we get messages all the time. Uh, I'll give you one story real quick. So we talk about our startup story on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. okay? And then uh, we talk about we, our wedding only has 12 people because we need the money to create a dumpling do. Mm-hmm. Now they only have 12 people, everybody chip in to rent this beach house with us. They pay to be there. And then everybody brought two dishes. So they pay for all the food so we can have a small wedding get married and then to, to do what we love. So I share that story on LinkedIn and then, oh my God, there are so many negative messages that says, you guys are so gross. This doesn't belong in LinkedIn. Get out of Texas, get out of Houston. You guys are not good human beings just because we got married and we gay. But at the same time, there are so many amazing people out there say, congratulations, thank you so much. Out of all that, we have a connection, reach out to us, say, thank you for giving me the courage I need. I've been with my partners for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I am so afraid to propose because I don't know what other people are going to say, but after seeing your post, I'm going to propose tonight. And then he did, and then now they engage. So it's like your most vulnerable story is going to bring happiness to people and inspire other people. And I think that's what a brain is all about, being responsible to, to just to share. Right. We're all human afterwards. People love to hear a good story. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And talking about sharing these stories, helping people, creating that uh, extraordinary experience with Dumpling Dudes, how are you guys trying to give back to the community? Because as far as I'm aware, I know that you are actively involved with Red M, the movement, which is, uh, which is an, uh, an organization that is working in the area of... Uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about it and why do you feel that it is important to spread awareness about this subject as there's so much ambiguity around this whole issue and uh, not just in the US but also in India. It's a very, very uh, heinous crime and uh, there are so many misconception, uh, uh, misconceptions around this subject. So. Why do you feel that it is important to uh, be a part of uh, nonprofits that are working in this area or any, any organization that is working for a social cause? Right. So they are um, two organizations that we have helped out recently. One is Red M, uh, mm-hmm. which is the fight against human trafficking. Uh, the other one is uh, Montreal Center, which they, they help with uh, LGBT homeless youth. Okay. And uh, on the surface, it looked very, very different, but it had very similar mission. Mm-hmm. The mission is to help kids or people in the sex, tra- the sex traffic, the, the world uh, sex workers, like the victim of the sex trafficking, to uh, have a place for them to stay and recover, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at, uh, there are a lot of teenagers, children, they will get kicked out of their family for who they are, mm-hmm. okay? And then whenever that happens, the predators will come in and then usually will offer works and, and to drug the child and then they end up becoming sex trafficking. And this happened in both the LGBT world and, and also the heterosexual world as well. It's an issue that we see all over the globe. 
and then people are not really addressing it. So we decided we're going to help from the both sides to kind of help addressing that, right? So uh, I think there's a lot of misconception. Um, in the U.S., I think the saddest part is that a lot of people think they're not American girls. They don't want to help them. They deserve it, which is number one, that's just totally wrong. <laughs> Mm -hmm. as a human right right you gotta be able to help everybody if you say you love everybody so and then in fact actually most of the sex trafficking are actually american too so there's also a lot of false information out there so they definitely need the help and uh, they definitely need need the support to to recover not just to recover from out, out of the space but the program actually helped them to to rebuild their mental stage and to give them the tool they need to be fit into the society again. And that's a long journey. Mm -hmm. You take about a year, two years for, for anybody to, to recover. And the same way it goes on the LGBT side, 40% uh, of the homeless you are LGBT. So they get kicked out of their family because they cannot and tell the story of who they are. And then that, that, that's just heartbroken for, for me, for us, right? Like to see to see somebody who trying to be who they are and then get betrayed by the people they love the most. It, it, it's so hard just to hear the story on some of the people that we met. And then, and again, they end up, if you don't have the support, they end up became the victim of sex trafficking and then became, uh, became uh, uh, homeless and just be on the street doing drugs. So, so either way, we're trying to figure out working with the organization, you know, how can we use our brain power to help them out by either donating classes, doing a special dumping for them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very fulfilling. I think this is the most fulfilling part of our job is be able to bring awareness and then help support them. That way people would know and support them too. Right, right. And even about the LGBTQ issues, how sensitive or empathetic do you think the society is? So I've um, lived in America my whole, <clears throat> my whole life and uh, particularly in the South. And so it's been rough, you know, growing up, I was never able to come out. Um, and then when um, I did, I was uh, asked to leave the house as well. So I have a little bit of experience and it definitely uh, is something that speaks to me. And so this is definitely a cause that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Um, I didn't have uh, uh, any place to go in the beginning, but luckily I, I was uh, blessed enough to have some family around me that was really supportive and some friends that were very supportive. And so I was able to have a safe space, but there was a time when I didn't have a safe space and, and I had to find my way and it was tough. It was very, very, very tough. Um, so it's gotten better, I will say that. I mean, we do have legalized marriage now, which we didn't have when, even when she and I met, we didn't, you know, we weren't allowed to get married. I would say, you know, a lot of people say that um, people who are homeless ask for it, you know, and that it's not, uh, you know, that's bad decision making. But when you look at the reasons why LGBT are kicked out of the house, it's, it's mostly for um, a certain set of maybe religious values that are not being met or, you know, things of that nature. So there's a lot of intolerance still within certain communities and subsects that it's very, very strong, uh, you know, very, very um, anti-gay or openness, you know, to, to being open to that. And so as much as the majority is changing, there's still very, very large pockets of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, inequality still. And you hear whisperings. It's never, and it's never really in your face. It's always, you hear a whispering, especially when I was in corporate. Oh, I would always hear whisperings, you know? <laughs> so um, that was one of the reasons why I was, uh, I kind of left there as well too, was that was um, a big thing for me. I was very, very out, very, very open through my, my 20s, even into my early 30s through college. And then mm -hmm. when I started working, I felt the need to go back in. And that was really, for me, that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. And, uh, you know, so now being able to do this and to be open, it's like, no, now is the time I, I need to get back into, into that. And, and so, you know, we did a, a fundraiser uh, recently. Um, you know, unfortunately, we can't house anyone ourselves at this time, but we do fundraise for organizations here. We did a dumpling a special rainbow pack during Pride and raise money for uh, for the Montrose Center here in Houston. Mm -hmm. And um, she works uh, mostly with Red M himself, uh, right. being uh, the connections that he has through that. Right. So uh, we each have our own things that we champion and, and we try to just, just try to keep helping people as we can. Right, right. And what would you tell the society in general, the parents, the friends, the colleagues, uh, when it comes to uh, this issue, what they should not do 
because that is something that action would be something that would break a part of the whole uh, you know human side of the structure which is irreparable what would you tell them because uh, there are negative experiences involved there are the negative emotions involved judgment we have discussed and uh, what they should not do because there are so many things people talk about that this is uh, this is how society should embrace it this is how uh, we can contribute this is how we can help each other but we ne- never really talk about what as a society we should not be doing because we are suppressing someone's individuality and humanity right there at that point of time so so i would say i mean i'm, I'm going to start with what they should do now i talk about what they're not going to do I think the most important thing for people is love. Okay, I, I think I think only love can conquer hate a hundred percent. Like if you really really love somebody, if you really love really love 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 your child, you will love you will love him or her regardless of who they are, you know. And then there is a difference between you accept somebody and you tolerate somebody. So don't be just tolerate somebody. We hear this all the time. We will tolerate you, right? When somebody tolerate you, you really think they're going to treat you equally and give you the promotion and uh, no, they won't. Uh, don't just tolerate somebody, accept somebody and love them, especially if your child, your family. Uh, don't say, I love you, but we hear that all the time too from family. Like when you say that, but, then you don't really love that person. Just embrace love. And I think God wants us to love. It doesn't matter which God you speak to. Love is always the answer. So love more. Judge less. <laughs> Accept people for who they are. Don't just tolerate people. That's what I would say. And to kill everybody else. Right, right. Michael, your words on this it's not only hard for the individual coming out, you know, it, and, and to think that it, uh, it's a one-way street, I think is really the problem, right? That defining the individual who's coming out is the problem. And I think that, you know, understanding that we all become different people than what our parents thought we were going to be. Maybe I'm not a doctor, I'm a baker, right? Maybe I'm not this, I'm that. And I think understanding that fundamentally the choice that we make is to live open and free. There was never a choice to be gay. And I think understanding that and just really like opening up and being able to talk about that with people. I really, it's always communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the more we see people standing up and, and being courageous and, and speaking out loud. I mean, that's really what it takes. Um, you know, I, I love, yes, definitely is the root of all that, but I think courage, there's a lot of courage there. And so, if we continue to keep standing up and keep supporting each other and, and our community keeps uh, growing and on a national level, you know, we, we can, um, we can, our international level, excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, we can continue to make an impact and, and hopefully strive for better than tolerance. Right, right. This is so inspiring and such a brave and empowering message for the larger community, I would say. And um, as we, you know, near the conclusion of our conversation, I would like to understand from you, how has your journey been so far with Dumpling Dudes? And what is, uh, what is it that you're looking forward to now? Where do you see Dumpling Dudes in the times to come? We learn so much. Like we, not only we, we grow as a company, we grow as an individual person too. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a couple, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's definitely an experience itself that we didn't think we would have uh it, it's been great and as far as where we think we're going i think we we have really just one true mission which mm-hmm. is to create the most fun and experience for other people and uh, we're going to stick with that so definitely new experience you could be a pairing you could be a, a new experience space you could be a new flavor uh i can guarantee you 100 percent that we're going to focus a lot on the experience and then we, it's hard to see five years out, 10 years now, but we, we definitely follow the, the lean startup process that 
we're going to pivot, we go, we're going to try new things. And if it works, then that's the direction we're going to go. So a lot of pivoting, a lot of changing, but at the end of the day, it's always create the most fun experience uh, for other people. So I always liken um, entrepreneurship to um, wandering through the wilderness, right? So you kind of just take steps in a general direction and you may see something on the horizon that you want and it's rocky and it's treacherous and you fall and you trip and you meet people along the way and then you turn around and you see, wow, look how far I've come, right? And there's this whole path behind me of things that I've done in small steps that have led me to where I am today. And I try to apply that even to business, you know, I mean, I've applied that to my life as well, but it also works for entrepreneurship too. You know, where I want to see the business, I have a million ideas of what I like to see. I could be happy working in like a storefront or it could be an huge experiential space or it could be, you know, pickups or getting into stores or things like that. But I think at the very end of this, we started this to build, to be together, to build something together. So whichever path we go along, I think it's going to be great because our hearts are there, you know, and we we're passionate about what we do. And we really, really just want to bring experiences to people. I, that's really the whole thing about it. So what that looks like, I have no idea, but we continue to continue with creativity, community and pride in everything that we do. Right, right. And is there any way that I can get these dumplings delivered at my home in India? Are you planning? <laughs> I, I wish. I, we are, that is one thing we, we have not gotten down yet. <laughs> that is one milestone we're trying to yes, figure out how to, do, how to deliver. I, I, I deliberately asked this uh, so that you, you, uh, you know, you put that on your list <laughs> possible and I will pray, I will hope and uh, who knows, I might as well, you know, shift to Houston because the organization that I'm working for is currently based in Houston. So I, oh, no, no, we, we, we never know. We might just trust we know who we're going to meet in this world, right? <laughs> so yes, true. Yes. Definitely. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me today, for sharing your story. And it is definitely an extraordinary story. And I, oh, as I so uh, call this platform, you know, we are ordinary people creating these extraordinary experiences. And Dumpling Dudes has definitely set a, a, set a very, very strong benchmark in this space. And I really celebrate your story. And I'm so proud of you guys. I wish you all my luck. And you have all my support uh, in the times to come. Whenever you want to share something about your business, you have uh, the story bar as, as an open platform. You just have Aww. to let me know that this is where we want to uh, share this part of our success or struggle or anything that you may feel that the world needs to know. I will make that happen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today.